Because no race has the last word on culture and on civilization. They do not know what we are capable of. They do not know what we are thinking. They are thinking in terms of dreadnoughts, battleships, aeroplanes, submarines. You know what we are thinking about? That is our own private business. You are listening to The Brown CEO. You are listening to The Brown CEO. I'm your host, Selma Idris. Follow the conversation every week as I speak to some of the dopest minds from around the planet about what's broken and how we're going to fix it. This is The Conversation Between Us, every Tuesday. Yalla, let's go. This past March, Women's Month, I had the honor of supporting and attending the closing ceremony for the artist, Imani Shanklin Roberts, at the Great Weeksville Heritage Center. That's where I met Atia Taylor, and that's where I was first handed an issue of Womanly Magazine. Atia was a panelist that day, and as I flipped through the magazine and I listened to her speak, I wanted to know a lot more. On our agenda today is a conversation with founder and editor-in-chief of Womanly Magazine, Atia Taylor. Hi, Atia. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you for so joining much. us today. Of course. Um, I want to talk more about Womanly. Uh, I know that it is a new magazine. It's a new mm-hmm. endeavor. Um, and I was very happy to find it. Um, and could you just give us a little brief about what it is? Sure. Womanly, uh, we're about two years old. We're working on our fourth issue right now. We started with Uh, I had an idea because I was working at Planned Parenthood for two years, doing a little bit of research around health disparities in the U.S. and just coming from the background that I came from and my friends coming from the backgrounds they came from, not hearing their families or parents be able to tell them the the information they needed to thrive and be healthy in this world. So uh, just... I've always been interested in magazines and wanted to really make something beautiful and tangible and um, accessible to people, especially women of color, black women, immigrant women, um, low-income communities. So Womanly was born through that desire to make art, but also to make art that is helpful and um, needed in our in our society. And what is the mission of the magazine? You... Our mission is to bring preventive health information with uh, visual and literary art to low-income communities and women of color and non-binary people. And the magazine is actually print form. Yes, so we're both kind of crazy right now. Yeah, That's why I was like, what is this print piece? Of, you know? Yeah, we're print and we so we're dedicated to being accessible. So everything you see in the print magazine is all also online. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to print because there's so many people who are not online. Our magazine model is donation-based, so any money we receive goes to printing it and distributing it distributing it to low-income communities. So um, we're in health clinics and we're in um, laundromats or cafes where people may not be able to pick up something like this. Um, so, That's amazing. Yeah. It's really, really special for us. How did you get started? Like how? So I'll give you the... Well, okay, so it depends on, you know, what you, what you mean by get started. So the idea was slowly forming over years. At first it was going to be a magazine for women over 40 because I was tired of seeing magazines glorify youth culture. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, was researching that and had got together with a friend and we thought about all the cultures and the things that older women and 
our elders can teach us as young women. So we wanted to bridge the gaps between older and younger women. Um, went, on, went on a trip to Cuba um, a few years ago and was just so inspired and like just enchanted by Cuban culture um, that I was inspired to, to go home and, and start this. It was in my head for a long time and then got home put together an email of all the people I know who I thought would be great for this project and everyone responded very positively. Um, and then we just got started. We made a website. And who's we? It's a group. Cause when I looked at the inside cover, there's at least 25, 26 names. That's a big team. Yeah. That's so at impressive. this point we were 35. Wow. Um, a lot of artists, um, majority of the core members are my friends and family. Um, very close friends, very close family members are our art directors and our editors and our health healthcare providers. Um, and then heads kind of drawn out from there, um, their friends and their family. And then now just about every day we have people reaching out to us saying, can we help? Can we support? Can we work with you? So it's been like this you know, started with just a small team and then it kind of just grew over time. And now I think 35 is probably right now without, you know, we don't make any money. It's all volunteers. So that's the yeah. most we can manage. But yeah. What a way to use your community resources. Like, I mean, that's yeah. invaluable. If you had to hire this team, you're running a like a major <laughs> mag here. I couldn't, I couldn't hire yeah. that and team And it's right all now. community and, you know, people using what they're good at and, and, and contributing. Yeah, it's really a labor of love. Yeah. Everybody works nine to five, um, more or less, and works on the magazine on the weekends, after work, in the morning, sometimes during work, they're working on this magazine. So it's just been an outpouring of support because everyone believes in the mission so much. And that's what it is. It's like this core of we see that people are actually really, really liking this and benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. So we should do more of it. And no one feels compelled to be making money right now. I mean, of course, it would be ideal for us to be doing this for our job. But yeah. one day, maybe. However, everyone's just like, let's just get it done. Do some good in this world if we can outside of our work hours. That's beautiful. And then you come together. You're, you're the editor-in-chief. So you, you basically bring everything together. How often do you publish? Twice a year. So the, so mm -hmm. our fourth issue is on black maternal health. It comes out next month. We oh. just released the cover. Yeah, it's um, black maternal health in the U.S. We have an advisory team. Our team has just been working like crazy. This is probably the most intense issue we have. It's a very important uh, yeah. topic, and there's been a lot of talk around that right now. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic. We had a panel a few days ago with, um, Planned Parenthood of New York City and mm -hmm. Modern Mia about the issue. And we had just so many people show up and we're putting it online, I believe, soon just so people can listen to it. Um, we want to continue having this conversation after the magazine's out, but mm -hmm. it covers so many topics that people don't think about, like adoption and infertility and racism in the healthcare system, um, systemic racism and poverty. So there's so many angles that play into black maternal health that we don't often think about. Um, and then we also cover the main issues, which are preeclampsia and um, racism in, you know, in your GYN office, things like that. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited. That's a big issue. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's our fall. It's our spring issue. And then we put one out in the fall, which we have not decided the topic yet. Is the magazine mostly focused on women of color or is it? Yes. 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 We... 
primarily focus on women of color um, because traditionally magazines, print media, media in general, just never gives us the spotlight. We always get like a spot, but it's never ours. Mm -hmm. So my mission personally is just to make sure that we're always at the center of this because we need it. Mm-hmm. And we're controlling it and yes. the information, right? Yes. yes, Which is really important. You also are very inclusive. Um, you know that you are also talking to non-binary. Yes. Um, could you talk to us about that and kind of explain that? Um, sure. Because there's it's something new that not everyone might understand. Right. It was really important for us to represent non-binary people because... They also benefit from the health information that we put in the magazine. We're striving to make our team more inclusive. So that means including non-binary voices. And non-binary people are people who don't subscribe to a specific gender. I just want to make that known in case anyone listening doesn't know what that means. Um, But it doesn't mean that they don't have the same or similar health issues as what we're talking about in this magazine. So for us... I don't want to say, oh, this is for women, and then not include people who don't call themselves women, but but go through issues that are biologically subscribed to female mm-hmm. um, body bodied people. So um, non-binary people can be male, like biologically, both male and female body. They could be just male body. They could be female bodied, and that's just using those gender pronouns are just because I've been conditioned to use those gender pronouns. Like we we think of gender in a way of like labels, mm-hmm. but not everyone does. So it's important for us to, in the language we use in the magazine, we keep it very open. We mm-hmm. Men can also benefit from this magazine. It's not just for women, um, but we are women. We're a team of all women. We are really just trying to make sure that people feel seen and heard that have been left out of these conversations. So... Mm-hmm. Non-binary people are just as much seen and heard, um, if not more in the future of Womanly, um, than anyone else who benefits from this. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, what is your background? Like, how did you, how, how do you know how to put a magazine together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. I, so... My back, I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I play music. Oh. Yes. What kind of musician? Music. I play, play, I'm in a band. It's a psych pop band. Um, <laughs> it's really funky. Um, we're playing a show this week in New York and in Philly and in D.C. Um, but I've been in the music scene in Philly for a long time. have so mm-hmm. many friends, um, just about 10 years, and have always just been into the world of art curation. And uh, I love... I love painting. I love photography. I don't do that myself, but I consider myself a curator of that. Mm-hmm. Um, have always been really interested in magazines. So I've been, as soon as I moved to New York, I would go and buy the most fancy and expensive magazines I could find <laughs> on my payday. Um, there were these like gorgeous magazines that I'd see. The Gentlewoman came out. It's like this all women's magazine from London. And I'd be like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's fascinating. Um, it was fascinating it's, to yeah. me. Um, and then I interned at Paper Magazine for a little while. Um, and that was cool, but I realized that um, magazine, like media and magazine culture as it is on the large scale is not for me. Mm-hmm. I love fashion, but I, I don't love fashion magazines in the same way. 
Um, so I realized that that wasn't my world very quickly. Okay. Um, have been writing for magazines uh, for a long time as well, um, for a magazine called Tom Tom, which is dedicated to female drummers and wrote a blog in college for female musicians. So a lot of my, my work had been music journalism. Mm-hmm. But then got into, I've been always in a, like a health advocate. I was working at Planned Parenthood for two years. I so volunteered with a group called Girls Rock Philly, um, which is um, music and, and empowerment for young girls. Yeah. So I thought to myself, I'm seeing all how people respond to this health information while I'm at Planned Parenthood. And I see how little, especially my, my mom, like sometimes we'd be talking and I'd be like, oh, you didn't know that. And she'd be like, yeah, no, I didn't know. My mom was in her 50s. And so I'd be thinking, yeah. you know, I'd be thinking to myself, why don't you know that? And like how many people, I mean, you're college educated. You're, you know, with it. Why don't you know? And I'm thinking, there's so many other people who need to know the same thing. Um, and then the light bulb went off. I was like, I love magazines. I love I'm health. Do it. Let's just do it. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. And where, where are you from? I'm from Philadelphia. Philly, and then yeah. born and raised in Philly? Born and raised, okay. born and raised, yeah. And then you came to New York how long ago? I've been in New York for about seven years. So right after college, I graduated from Temple University. Uh, and then, oh, so Philly, Philly, Philly. Oh, Philly, yeah. Philly. <laughs> okay, all right. And then came up to New York. Why? I had I, I landed that internship at Paper okay. um, and really just was like, I hit the jackpot. This is so cool. I want to be at Paper Magazine. Um, and then transferred with my current job. I was in hospitality for a long time. And luckily got a transfer up to, I was working in Times Square, like outside in the cold. It was so rough. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was like the cashier at the valet outside at the like marquee in Times Square. Oh my gosh. In the winter. And I was like, you know what? It's a hustle (laughs) in New York. I'm going to do this. And, you know, it was like a three month thing. It was like seasonal. And I found another job at, in hospitality right after that. But Mm Yeah, I came here and then just gradually started building my career. This has been the place for me. Yeah. Yeah. Your home? Yeah, this yeah. is home. Yeah. And Brooklyn girl now, right? I'm in Brooklyn, I'm in Crown Heights. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we talked a little bit about your background. We talked about, you know, what drives you as far as, you know, making sure that these these articles and stories are inclusive. Um, how do you select the articles like do you guys as a team everybody comes up with like what they want to talk about or yeah is there a direction is so specifically for it has changed over time specifically for our fourth issue coming out next month we sat together in a room and talked about before we even knew it was going to be on black maternal health we said what are people thinking what what do we want to cover um we talked about maternal health it was just going to be maternal health. And then we were like, well, we can't say this without including this. And how do we label it? And I was like, well, the issue really right now is black maternal health mm-hmm. um, and it has been black maternal health. So why don't we just cover black maternal health? And then I think everyone was like, oh, wait, yeah, we could. I mean, that's going to be hard, but we could do it. So we did that. And then when we figured that out, um, we formed... We, you know, we pulled together a list of research that we knew was out there, articles that have been done, people doing this work already, pulled that together, pulled the issues out that we thought we should cover. Specifically, we try to educate people. So we have different, uh, we call them need to knows, um, different health topics that 
you that black women might need to know or any person having a baby would need to know um having having a baby soon so preeclampsia or like gestational diabetes anything that you might we might need to warn you against um so to protect yourself or be healthy or know your know your numbers kind of um and then we had we formed an advisory board um for the fourth issue with a gyn um, media professionals uh curators of black art people who have been doing this work and around this work for a while just so that we are covering ourselves and like at first we were doing this work and uh, we brought this to our advisory team and, and one of our advisors was like, I don't even see myself in this. I'm an adoptive, I'm an adoptive mom. So there's wow. nothing about yeah. adoption. And we were like, okay, <laughs> we're going back. We're going to put all the adoption things in it. So it was important for us to look to the community doing this work because we're mm-hmm. not experts. We're just kind of the messenger. We, we, we like to think of ourselves. Um, so having this expertise, having all these people who've been doing this work feels like we're honoring them. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, we're learning too. We're learning how to present information. We're learning how to be respectful of different experiences and cultures. And um, so that's generally how we we fill the gaps. Um, but we have an amazing team of healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, they are just incredible at making sure everything is accurate and up to date. And, um, and they author some of the articles yes, too. Yes, they yeah, do. They which did. is fantastic. When yeah. I was looking, I'm holding um, issue two right now, which is Matters of the Heart. And here you talk about the heart, health, and legacy of Erica Garner. Um, I fell in love. This is the issue I fell, first fell in love with that I first got Aww. my hands on. And then what I love also about what you guys do is it is a full multimedia experience. So although it's tangible and it's print and it's here and it's accessible, it's also accessible online. Um, and the I, I love the video collections that you have. Like there's some... Um, one of them I loved was the a sound and film collage exploring the nostalgia, lack of diversity, and inaccuracy of 21st century sex education in America. And that was edited, and the music was beautiful. It totally makes sense that you yeah. make music now. Um, so sex education in time, that's called. Yeah. That was the first one, the first issue. Our first issue was on sex education. We just kind of wanted to come out with a boom because all of us were like, we didn't have proper sex ed. Like, who had proper sex ed? I can't think of one person who was like, my sex ed experience was amazing. No one. So we were like, let's just talk about sex education in a way that's not about... I feel like when we think about sex, we think about pleasure most of the time in media. We think about uh, heterosexual couples. We think about um, pleasuring or masturbation and things like that, which is included. But we wanted to get real about like the things that we were supposed to learn that we didn't actually get to learn, right? Like, like destigmatizing STDs. And uh, I'm looking at you like, what? What didn't I? Like, what don't I know? Like, come on, right? Well, <laughs> not so everybody, yeah. but yeah. there's a lot of things that people. We don't talk about sexual abuse. We don't talk no. about um, no. And I trauma. was including myself and those that don't. I think as we. It's, from my experience, and I don't know how um, what your experience is working with a large community, which would be interesting mm-hmm. with different backgrounds and diverse backgrounds. But coming from you know a Sudanese culture, you didn't talk about your parts at all or what was happening to you during puberty or yeah. beyond. You know, like nothing. Yeah, that was that was what the angle we were coming from. Like most people don't even have a place to start here. Yeah. So um yeah, the the I'm I'm so glad you called out the the video that the sex ed in time because I did that one. And I and like so I get really weird about the things that I contribute. I'm like, I don't 
I'm not, I don't, I'm not a visual artist. No, I love it. I, but I, it, you yeah. definitely talked about your ability to curate. Yeah. And it is a beautiful, beautifully edited piece. I was Thank like, you. yes. No, and it, it, it just yeah. said so much. I love the video on the site, and I would actually recommend that folks get hands on the magazine, but also go to the site and get a rich experience. Yeah. Because it brings it all together. Well, we believe multimedia and different art forms are important because people learn in different ways. So this, mm. so we do audio collages, and um, we encourage people to submit video. And we did a um, in that same issue, Sex Ed, we did a video when when we were in Cuba. That's I was going to call that one yeah. out too with Juanita. Yes, and it was that just was I think that was another one of the things that started Womanly because we were there and we didn't know it was going to be Womanly yet. So we recorded that before the magazine existed, uh. and we were sitting there and we we're just like, talk to us about Sex Ed in Cuba. So yeah, they're in Vinales yes. in Cuba. Yes. And there's this beautiful woman, Juanita, with a lot of life, a lot of energy. It translates straight through the the screen. And she just starts dropping bars about the power and the ingenuity and resourcefulness of women. And yeah. It's pretty dope. I'm it's, sorry I jumped on it, but no, I was inspired no, by it great. when I saw it. I was, it's it's great. um it's so cool because I feel like our our education about Cuba is limited. In, in the U.S., like, we've just been so as if it's not that close to us and it's so cut off from us and it's designed that way. But it was so cool to get a look into that world um, and realize, like, we're not that far away from each other. Like, we've been t told in our brains that there are these weird borders, but Cuba is, like, there is such a beautiful, powerful culture. I love Cuba. Isn't it amazing? It's beautiful. My <laughs> children love Cuba. I love Cuba. Um, for me, Cuba, Josh loves Cuba. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we love Cuba. It's interesting to watch. For me, it was uh, flying from such a color race state, being the United States, where everything is black and white, and that's mm -hmm. how you define stuff. And then going, and like poor is black, rich is white. And then going to Cuba, where like communism has been there for so long. So you know, there's a new introduction of capitalism with like Airbnbs and so on. Yeah. But to see people at a certain like level playing field and then to see the mixes and the porches and the, like that's not what it was about and how matter of factly they talked about color or right. race or experience or slavery. It's really refreshing. It's, I loved it. It's refreshing. Womanly, um, we, we say global because we really, really, really strive to include a global perspective. So we talk about the issues that we're dealing with in the U.S. from a perspective where people who are not in the U.S. maybe can read this and say, this is that experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we also include, at least once in every issue, we include a, a global article. So mm -hmm. we talk about, so in issue two, the one you have, mm -hmm. um, we talk about rheumatic heart disease and how it affects different countries, um, and especially um, low-income countries and impoverished communities across the world, the uh, rheumatic heart disease comes from strep throat. So here in the U.S., you what? get strep throat. Wait, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to go back and explain that. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is, the, this is the article. So I learned this through reading Womanly, too. I, I did not, you know, know this. When you get strep throat, if it goes untreated, it can lead to heart issues. And a lot of countries that don't have access to the antibiotics and things that they need to treat um, strep throat, they uh, get rheumatic heart disease. Wow. It's a lot of young people, especially. So because young people get strep throat, and I got strep throat like twice as a kid. Yeah. 
And, and you so, think of it as something. It's not. Yeah, yeah it's, oh. it's curable, you yeah, know. You're like, but, ah, strep throat, go to that. That's strep, go to that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can uh, contract rheumatic heart disease from strep throat. And uh, so every issue, we have a, a global health manager in our magazine, and she writes these articles about things going on in the world that you might not know about. Um, it kind of bring, brings things into perspective and makes yeah. you realize, like... The knowledge transfer and exchange is so important there, too, because mm-hmm. as much as they can learn from our experiences or the... the Western medicine has really taken some leaps and, leaps and bounds in some basic diseases like this, but also the knowledge transfer on the other end and also having a community of people that look like you that can up your numbers, let's say, mm-hmm. Um when you're a louder voice, when you're together, when you're going through um, maternal health or issues that affect people that look like us together globally, um, you become more of a force and a bigger voice. Um, but I love the, uh, the the knowledge transfer because there are people on the ground in all of these places that have the right education, that have resources, that might just need the help. Right. You know, and looking through stuff like this, it's like you you're passionate about this. We can fix this. This is something that we can address. Right. Um, that's really important work. But I also want to say this this is a serious magazine. This isn't like you flip through it and it's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, this is some poetry. This is like you're addressing serious issues through art, um, words, photography, pictures, um, and your authors are well-versed in what they're doing. This is checked. This is researched. I love it. Thank you. I love yeah. it. This is very, very well done. Thank you so much. Have you gotten any attention outside of us? Like, how how are you guys doing? Like, how's your distribution? How's, like? Yeah, so we distribute in New York, Baltimore, and Philly. Okay. Um, our New York and Philly communities are the largest. We have a pretty big number of team members in Philly because I'm from there, and a lot of the members who um, our core team members are people I went to college with or have just known for a long time. Um, so our audience is our biggest in Philly and in New York, but we've also just been seeing this attention from all over. Like like I mentioned, there have been people reaching out almost every day, a lot of college students especially. Like, I really love what you're doing. I really want to work for a magazine like this or write for a magazine or support this work you're doing. Um, we have just been seeing so many amazing partners uh, like PPNYC has been a great partner to us yeah. um and we also distribute a small amount in Oakland and I think we're focused on those Baltimore Philly and New York right now and Oakland but we really want to expand at some point I think it's just figuring out you know finding the right business model and support and funding um we're we're most of us are artists it's not like we're all like business school kids coming together for this startup mm-hmm. no we're coming together as people on the ground we're grassroots folks um trying to figure out how to put a business together um so i welcome we welcome any support we've been putting grant grants together trying to get grants mm-hmm. Um, we do a, a fundraising campaign every year. We have one coming in June. Um, last year did really well, hoping to get the same, if not more money this year to do this work. So um, the support has been great and gradually growing over time. Um, our Instagram specifically has, I think, catapulted us much quicker than it would have if we didn't have Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um we have like 8,000 followers right now, which is 
like low on the nut grant in the grand scheme of things. But when it's real people and it's real interest, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That means a lot more than a lot. Yeah, and people are showing up, and Mm -hmm. then we and the numbers are growing like daily. So it's been really beautiful community and support. I'm so grateful. It's great work. Like I can't say enough about it. How much I love it, and how how much I love that it's based in science. are some of the partners that you guys work with that you mentioned um, a lot of the support from partners and and, and folks working yeah. with? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned PPNYC, Planned Parenthood of New York City. They are um, supporting this work we're doing with Black Maternal Health. We had the panel. They're also being featured in our new issue. Um, we've also worked with um, Lena Cup is another one of our, um, our partners this issue. They're a menstrual health brand. Um, Barrio Neal is a, a woman-owned jewelry company. They they focus on marriage equality and ethically sourced um, mm. jewels and gems. Um, they're amazing, and they've been a very, very close cool. partner of ours. Yeah, it's been amazing. We've also distributed in many different places. Um, our So our magazines are actually in Planned Parenthood, in Planned Parenthoods in New York City. We also have That's delivered great. them to Newark in Planned Parenthood. We're hoping to get them in the... Philadelphia, Planned Parenthoods. Um, then we have our advisory team. Um, they're from, um, there's a GYN from New York Medical College and Modern Mia has been amazing. Um, an art space and gallery called Medium Teams. Um, just so many people yeah. associated with some really dope organizations across um, New York and Philly especially. Um, I'm going to miss places because there are just so many like smaller cafes and like there's a spot in Crown Heights, um, Bright Point Health in Crown Heights has our magazines. Um, so yeah, we're open to, we, we're open to finding new partners mm-hmm. and that exists across like whether it's sending free magazines or you want to sell our magazines. Um, we generally don't allow people to sell them unless people can afford them in their space. So if it's like a coffee shop in Williamsburg, Sell it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. generally, if you're like in the Bronx or... Who are your readers? Can you describe them to us? Yes. Um, so our readers vary. Uh, online, our readers are... It's easier to see who our readers are just because we can check analytics so yeah. much easily. Um, 25 to 35-year-old women. Um, they are young and like... Feminists and looking for content like this, um, people of color. Um, we've we've gotten we get a lot of responses. We get a lot of emails like "Thank you so much for this. I see myself in this." Um, one woman wrote to us saying that she was reading about she was reading Womanly before she got her abortion, and it and she was like, "This is the most amazing thing. I can't wait to read more and grow with you all. Like this is really helping me deal." And that was like wow. a light switch. It's like, this is real. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is happening. This means we have to keep doing this. Um, so those signs of, are affirmations. In terms of our print magazines, they're, um, it's harder to know our audience, but we are very specific about where we place them. Mm-hmm. So if it's mostly communities of color, um, immigrant communities, um, black and Latina women um, from anywhere from 25 and older 
um, maybe even over 40, um, because they're in so many different kinds of places. Um, we're going into libraries, we're going into hair salons, we're going into laundromats and places where people will sit and need to read mm. for a little bit of time. Um, especially hair salons is genius. Hair salons, yeah, right? That's brilliant. Or yeah. nail salons too. People read mm-hmm. mags while they're getting their nails done. Why not put them next to the seat? So that's a big one for us. I think even more going forward, um, we want to make sure that we put them in those places. Yeah. It'd be wonderful to go to Nail Our Hair Salon and get a women's magazine that's not focused on, like, weight loss or, like, Dieting. squats. Yeah. yeah. And, like, actually focused Some on health. Some celebrities divorce. Yeah. Like, this is yeah, health. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you're like, huh, I had no idea he left her. Yeah. But yeah, no, but it's, it, this, this is fantastic reading and it's beautiful. Thank you. The photography is gorgeous. Yeah. We have an amazing art director. Her name is Hannah Condelaria and she just swooped in. We went to college together, um, is the best friend of one of my friends from college and I knew her, but we didn't really know each other. And then she just swooped in and said, I'm going to do this for you. And totally took it to the next level in yeah. terms of our amazing art direction and branding and strategy around how we present ourselves because it's so important. And she keeps reminding me every day, it's like, no, the logo does never goes there. And I'm like, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> you need your brand guideline. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, she puts it together. She's incredible. Dope. That's great. Um, I wanted to start talking about... Uh, kind of some of your experiences uh, that led to this. Uh, Mm -hmm. During the break, we were talking about um, vagina, (laughs) right? And the first time that, like I told you, I was like, I was probably an adult when I was comfortable saying the word vagina. So when I got this magazine and listened to you speak, and then we had a brief conversation afterwards about like, yeah, I'm a, you know, 47-year-old woman. I just started referring to my vagina. Mm-hmm. So it, it's important to talk about, you know, growing up, it's not like our moms were harming us, yeah. but it's in some cases, maybe they didn't know. It's a legacy of not talking about it. Um, and I kind of just want to talk about some of the stories or experiences that you might have had. Yeah. So I'll start with talking about when I was at Planned Parenthood, I was doing research for digital products. So one of those products was working on an app to help parents teach their kids about sex. Um, and it was, we did all this research. We talked to people across the country, mostly parents of color about why they do or don't talk to their kids about sex and puberty and sexual health and reproductive health. And a lot of it, I'm sorry, a lot of it was, I was never taught that I am worried that they might start early if I start talking about it or you know, a number of fear-based things that we help them understand even through these um, these panels that that's not true and debunking those myths. So once parents realize that it's, it's, easy, it's better for them to start talking to their kids earlier, then health outcomes start to change, that kids start being able to protect themselves and using condoms and like saying don't come home pregnant is not a way to help kids understand why it's important to use protection. Um, so it's it's really being specific and sitting down and forming a bond with your child and a relationship around their bodies and changing and growing. We can't do this on our own. Mm-hmm. We're young. Things are happening real fast. You know, puberty comes at you like a 
bat out of hell. Yeah. <laughs> and you're suddenly alone because your parents don't know what to do. They just they throw their hands up sometimes. Um, and that happened for me. I mean, my mom, we just didn't talk about it. We, I remember, and I'll, I'll be very specific, when I got my period, I hid it from my mom. I, was, I went to boarding school. So I was in boarding school for 10 years. And I got my period on the first day back to boarding school, eighth grade. The first night back. And, you know, I was, like, asking the girls in my dorm, like, hey, can you, you, know, can you help me? And so luckily I was, like, with some other girls who maybe had already had it. But when I would go home, my mom was doing my laundry still, and I'd hide my underwear in, like, a bag in, in a drawer. From your mom. And then she found it. She found this bag, and she called me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Atia, did you get your period? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I don't know. So it was like, that's, that's my story of remembering, like, so, Were I was you so ashamed of it? I like, what was that feeling that you didn't want to tell? And your mom. Like, I can, I hid it from my dad. Yeah. Like, no man in my life knew I ever, like, they might not know now. <laughs> but I think mom is interesting. Yeah. Well, my mom and I, you know, I was away at school. We didn't have the closest relationship. She was a young mom. She was working and going to school when we were really young, and we had to go away. So... Our relationship was never like close, like mommy, daughter. Mm -hmm. We're like, we're fine, but we're not like very emotional. We don't talk about stuff. We don't talk about that stuff. So I think putting myself back in that eighth grade brain, um, I think I was just embarrassed and didn't know how to even bring it up. Like I'd pretend like when I had cramps, I'd pretend like I had a headache to get Advil. I'd be like, Mom, I have this really bad headache. I need wow. some. I need some Advil, and she'd be like, "Oh, get some out of the car." I'd be like, "Great." Now I don't have cramps anymore, but I don't have to talk to her about my cramps so she doesn't ask me about my body. But the weird part is that I loved talking about my body. I used to. I remember one Christmas I asked her to buy me this book called. Um, it was like, "What's up down there?" or something. It was like this girl. <laughs> <laughs> she was on Amazon. It was like she was like, "Okay." This is cool. Like, this is what you want. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I need an answer. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, boobs. And it was really beautiful, too. It's this, like, website called, like, girl.com. And I used to go in there. I used to read about everything that I needed to know. <laughs> and I was very, like, cautious. I didn't, I didn't – I was, like, very shy. I didn't talk to boys. I didn't want to – you know, be in the world in that way, but I wanted to know about it. Mm -hmm. So just like over time, like I would take sex ed classes in college and just was like so interested in learning about this stuff. Um, I think it's just a personal interest in it. Um, but yeah, my my relationship with my mom has just been like not, we're just getting to a lot of the conversations that we would have maybe had when we were young, when I was young. So. <laughs> is she uncomfortable when you talk to her about it now or is it? No, she's not uncomfortable. I mean, <laughs> she's not, she, she probably is never, has never been uncomfortable. I was the one who was uncomfortable because I just didn't know how. Because I remember one time, like we had never talked about sex at all. And I remember, I think I had like condoms or something in my bag. And I wasn't even having sex at the time. I just had condoms. Because I was like, you know how when you get free condoms, you're just like, free condoms? I love free stuff, so I have free condoms. <laughs> and so 
My mom, I was living with my mom at the time. And after college, at some point, I was living with my mom. And she, she found them. She was like, Tia. It was like similar to the period thing. She's like, why am I finding all these weird things in bags? She's like, Tia, are you having sex? I was like, she's like, no, she was like, what are these for? And she's like, are you using these? I was like, would you rather me not be using them? Because <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to talk about this. So I just need to be sarcastic and exit the room. <laughs> so that was the end of that for years. <laughs> so I think after that, she was like, okay, she's, she's fine. She's she just not. like backed away slowly. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. So... <laughs> So, but, but that's so interesting is because my way of dealing with this stuff is by humor. And I've always been like, let's just talk about it. And it's funny. And like, let's make jokes and like art and funny comics about this stuff. Because it just makes it easier to talk about. I agree with that. You know? I agree with that. If you lighten it up, it's so much easier to talk about when it's like some serious issue. Yeah. Or they do the other extreme where they use the complete scientific name for everything. And you're like, I can't even relate to this. What part of the, my body is this? No, you're like, yeah, I can't like, even find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this time I remember watching TV with my mom, and she was like, I think I, I guess I must have been maybe eight or nine. And we were watching TV, and a penis came on the screen. And she was like, Tia, do you know what that is? Like, Do you know what that I is? I was mortified. She was like, that's a penis. I, like, I will never forget this moment. I was mortified. I was like, okay, I'm tired. Go to bed. <laughs> so, yeah. So most, so most of the experiences that I can talk about are just hilarious because it's so awkward. But it's like, I'm sure my mom, my grandma never talked to my mom. And I'm sure my, my grandma was actually... Raised by her grandma, and I can guarantee you that they didn't talk. So no one's just talked about it. No one's ever talked about it. Yeah. That's a back burner. I'm also, I'm concerned that my boys will never know about women unless we change something. Not that I feel like boys necessarily completely know about themselves either, but it's there and men can access, health is men focused. Brown men is a different issue. We have our own health issues there. But the topic of women and the fact that everything in our body is so taboo from our menstrual cycle, written into institutions. Like my religion says that I can't come near you if I have my period, you know? So it's that shame that's carried or that quietness that's carried where I would never tell anyone I was on my period. Yeah. Um, But I'm starting to see that change with initiatives like this. And I got to say, young folks are dope. Yeah, we have a lot of male supporters, definitely um, men buy our magazines, whether it's for someone they know or for themselves. And I, I, I notice a lot of even just men in my life who are like, whoa, I didn't know that. Like if I'm like, yeah, this is how, a, this is how, what happens during menstruation. And they're like, what? Wait, there's an egg? And they're mm-hmm. like, wait, what? So, and this is- I'd like a stat on how many men realize that we pee um, and have babies out of two different holes. Like, I want to stand on that one. Yeah. Because you would yeah. be shocked how many adult men are like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's yeah. like, you have children. <laughs> like, you didn't know this? Yeah. But, yeah. And it's the I'll same with... <laughs> You're like, I need Let's to do that. This. We need that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> stand on that. <laughs> A lot of women don't know about very specific things about themselves like I we posted a video yesterday on the our Instagram about what the clitoris looks like um and 
she held it. She held this like model of clitoris up in front of all these men, and they're like, "What is this? Is this like a cultural thing?" <laughs> and they're like, shape positioning, and she's like, "No, that's a clitoris." And they're like, "Oh, we definitely know what to do with that, but we didn't know it looked like that. No idea what it looks like. You've never seen one, but you know what to do with yeah, it." Yeah, okay. so it's it's interesting, man. Men, it's like. Kids say the darnest things when you bring things like this to me. It's just <laughs> hilarious. It's fun. It's fun. It is. I love talking about this. So you see, I perked up when you were like, let's talk about vaginas. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. No, it's an, that's, it used to be my shock word because that's how you get, because that's my that's how I deal with discomfort or if like I'm nervous or whatever. I usually just drop a joke or drop something. or You, normally, you just go vagina yeah, in any vagina. context. It's a vagina. Yeah. Look, the vagina. And that will shut down anything. Mm-hmm. People are like, what did she just say? I don't understand the shame. I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, I see why it happens. But, but I like to think of womanly as, like, when you really get older and you're drinking with your aunt and your mom, and you're just like, remember that? And like, yeah, I dated this guy. And your mom's finally telling you about, like, something she did when she was 19. That You know, like, womanly is like... Be open, like have a drink, chill, or like, we all are dealing with this stuff. It's not any, no, everyone's dealing with something. Well, we also have to shed a lot of the taboo. It's like if a woman talks, if a woman talks about sex, she's a whore. Yeah. So no respectable woman would ever talk about sex or whatever. So that conversation's not going to be one that's had. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to shed, that shame shed. Yeah. That we hold on each other oftentimes, like women hold it to each on each other, where we have to start being more comfortable and confident in talking about relationships, sex. Yeah, our bodies especially. I mean, I'm seeing so many amazing women and people, excuse me, I'm seeing so many amazing women and people on on Instagram showing their bodies and they have different body types Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, different scars and different things that they feel like they have been ashamed of at one point or they have never been ashamed of that have been considered to be they should have been ashamed of. It's been really inspiring to see all these women and people showing off their their differences. You know, I was so ashamed when I was a kid about my stretch marks. I had a growth spurt. Me too. Right? I was Me so ashamed. Too. I guess I was like 17, all of a sudden I had a butt. And I was like, what? <laughs> that was going to be like... Thin and tiny forever, and all of a sudden, like I had all these stretch marks, and I like no one ever taught me how to lotion, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What is happening?" So I was ashamed. I had this deep shame, and then I realized, like, oh, everybody, a lot of a lot of people have stretch marks. Like that's not a big deal. It was all about like, oh, am I going to be desirable? Am I going to be? Am I look good? Going to look good in a bathing suit? Yeah, and all that's that stuff. Oh, I can't wear a bathing suit without a t-shirt or that shorts so on. Weird. Or you take your shorts off at the last minute before you're right about to get in the water. I know. I know. Yeah. I had the same thing. I had the growth spurt. Nobody was telling me about how to lotion. I was sitting there scratching my legs. Yeah. Freshman year of college, I remember it too. I was like, oh, my legs are so That's itchy. right around the time. Yeah. <laughs> so Just itchy. Hit you. Um, yeah. And then I had all these stretch marks. And like, and I feel like a lot of my self-care, and that this is what it, all of this is related to, really, because mm-hmm. this is the ultimate self-care. It's your health, the basis yeah. of your biology and your health, all the way to... Um, you know, healthy relationships, being able to talk about things, happiness, being able to pursue your happiness. Um, but when I think about the amount of self-care that I learned as baptism by fire. Yeah, I think especially as brown women, black women, we are 
learning a lot by ourselves um, and learning how to take care of ourselves late in the game. Mm -hmm. So things like womanly and like, you know, black girl magic, this movement of like, let's take care of our mental health. Finally, mm -hmm. let's break a cycle of, you know, torturing ourselves for so long. Like my mom, like you mentioned, my mom has a lot coarser hair than I do. And she has like been pressing it and perming it and like whatever her whole life. So for me, the shame that she had about her hair was like passed down to me for a long time. I'd be like, oh, I can't wear my hair like a natural because like I should be ashamed of that because you were ashamed of that. Um, and so it took me a long time to finally just like embrace my hair. And that sounds like something that should be so basic, right? Like it's your hair. Mm -hmm. But we, it's crazy the lengths we go through you know, to ignore it, at least the lengths I went through to ignore my hair, to ignore having to do it or deal with it, just something that's an extension of me. And that's crazy to think I'm ignoring my, an entire part of myself. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, now, and that this just happened. This is literally like maybe not even a year. Well, I think the awakening is just happening too. Like when I was growing up, nobody cared about brown women, <laughs> you know, like brown women didn't care about brown women. Um, we are in a beautiful time right now, I think, where I think that like when you were talking about the Instagram and folks showing their bodies as they are with their scars, and that's pushing media and shows to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. Like <clears throat> where you used to watch like those fashion shows and they would have the plus size day. And now you put on those shows and all the models are of different shapes and sizes and colors. And they celebrate that because we're telling them to celebrate that. Um, and I think that this awakening is important. Uh, the brown woman rising um, yeah. is a beautiful thing. I'm here for it. Um, I, it's going to do nothing but do great for everyone. If the womb is in good, in, in good condition, everybody's going to be great. You know, M Mother Earth is coming back. Yeah. Um, and work like this is, is, is so important for all of it. Thank you. I think uh, Josh and Dougie got some questions. Josh? Uh, well, I learned a lot today. <laughs> My mind was a little blown about the two different holes. <laughs> really? Did no, you? I'm just joking. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, No, but it's, it's kind of crazy how many men don't know that. It's kind of startling. It's, yeah, it's it, like a true, a, I want a stat on that. Yeah. I bet it's a Run bunch it. of men. Yeah. 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 I just want to comment like first and say, like I, I checked out the little uh, website and it's amazing i can definitely see like the influence i was hoping that you would mention when you're talking about awesome magazines when you first came like you know awesome magazines when you came to new york i was like i wonder if she's going to mention paper i was like wondering if that was one of those and the fact that you interned you said yeah, you interned there i interned there yeah. yeah so how tell me a little bit more about that i'm just kind of curious like and how that how that kind of influenced you in terms of the direction that you went with uh womanly because like i can see like there's a very not that you get not that you did like an exact like similar thing but stylistically I see like a very focused style direction yeah so paper was um actually I had a college class right before college that uh it was like senior seminar or something mm. it was like write a cover letter for a job that you want mm. and I wrote mine for paper and I was like oh they have an internship available I'm gonna apply didn't know, 
you know, I didn't think I was going to get it. I was like, this is just an assignment, but ended up sending it and then got called back and, you know, ended up having a friend of a friend who was doing work for them and put in a good word for me. So this like thing just happened in my life and I was like, not, not expecting it. And it was perfect timing. Um, so I ended up moving to New York, um, was commuting for a while from Philly to New York, but that was exhausting. Um, so I was sleeping on couches and then found, finally got a job. And then interning at paper was like, you imagine it would be like gossip girl. Like it was like (laughs) New York internship at a magazine, you know, like photo shoots, Mm. runway shows. It was like very, it was cool. Mm. It was like, I was like, oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, and then I met MIA and I was like at photo shoots and helping backstage at runway shows. And it was super amazing. I met my best friend. Um, So paper was really wonderful. But I also just couldn't see myself doing that work all the time. Mm. It's fun, but it didn't have enough meaning for me. Mm. I needed it to be more socially oriented. Mm. Um, And I didn't see the activism in it. Um, I'm sure paper does great work. But for me, health and women's health and women's advocacy work was more important. So I didn't know I could do both. I just left. I was like, I don't think this is for me. Was working in hospitality for however long after that and then landed the job at Planned Parenthood. Another one where I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to get this. I just was applying for a bunch of different places. It went in my spam folder or something. I remember like, I was on their mailing list, so I thought it was like, um, like another, like, give us money, you know, like, <laughs> sure. Okay. But it was actually them like calling me to do an interview. And then I got that job. So my life, things that happen in my life have been really cosmic and really beautiful. So each moment has been surprising, but also things that I put out into the world. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Like you have a really like diverse background in terms of like the experiences that you've had. It's pretty cool. It's Thank very, you. very cool. Thank you. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask, just because, you know, people listening don't know this. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but like I'm from outside of Philadelphia, like a 15 minute train ride away. And I know with you being from North Philly, I was curious mm-hmm. to know. And I know a lot about that neighborhood. I'm curious to know how much that like influenced you in terms of the direction you went with Womanly. A ton. Um, so I went to boarding school not far from where I grew up um, for 10 years. But my parents, my grandparents, everybody lived on... Both my both my sets of grandparents lived on the same street in um, in East Falls, North Philly area, mm-hmm. and my parents were neighbors, so they like went to school together since like elementary school, middle, wow. high school. They got married, had us divorced, of course, really young, um, and had been on that street their whole life. My grandparents were on that street for their whole life, and then a lot of the kids I grew up with on that street. Um, either are still there or have gone to do different things. But the work that I do, I think of them all the time. I think of my parents. I think of the kids that I grew up with on that street. I think of the opportunities they had that that I have that they didn't ma- maybe didn't have. Um, we went away to school. We were lucky. We, like, tested in a boarding school mm-hmm. for, like, un- like low-income children. We're single-parent homes. But they didn't get that opportunity. So... I think about them. I think about the kids who get left behind. A lot of, like, this, the public school I went to in Philly was rough. It was kids hungry. Like, parents were, like, 
on drugs and a lot of the kids were homeless. So I think of those kids too when I'm like, I got out. I got a break. So my job is to think of those kids or their kids in, in helping them. Um, mm. So Philly in that way, in the way that I was shaped through growing up, um, I mean, we weren't poor, but we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money. Mm. So um, just the trauma that I've seen kids have to go through for no reason, for just because of where they lived or who they were around. There was a lot of violence around us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't even have it the worst. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, it was terrifying where I lived, but... You saw some things. We saw <laughs> some things. We heard some things. Mm-hmm. We knew things were going on that we shouldn't have. And I think of those people. And I think of my niece and my nephew, too, who are growing up in Philly and who are going to need this resource. So, definitely. Very cool. So. So another question I have is, uh, can I buy a subscription to the studio? <laughs> oh, yeah. that, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so we are working on the subscription part now. Mm. Um, really hoping it'll be out in the next few months in terms of getting it off the ground. We, the issues are for sale online now. So like if you wanted to buy, there's not a lot of them. So if you wanted to buy one or two for the studio, then you could just buy them online. But we're working on getting subscription-based um, uh, memberships for people soon. So soon, but they're available online now. All right, that's our show. Biggest thank you to our dope guest, Atia Taylor. Thank you, Atia. All the links and handles you need are available in the show notes and on thebrownceo.com. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, The Brown Crayon Project, and to our family here at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. We want to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. Tell us what you think. Talk to us on Twitter at The Brown CEO. Subscribe and review our podcast on iTunes or go to The Brown CEO.